0: Welcome back to the Hottest Take Sports podcast presented by Sib Sports. This is your host, John Ashkar, and today with me, I'm back with my co-host, Jack Vannemater.
1: How's it going, guys? Today, we're doing a special episode here talking about a little bit of Guardians baseball. We got a special guest, Mr. Ethan Heiss, hasn't joined us for a while, but he's back. How are you doing today, Ethan? I'm doing well. Good to be back, boys. Thanks
2: for having me on the show, like always.
0: Yeah, dude, we're excited to finally have you back. It's been a while. We love having Ethan on for our baseball episodes because Ethan is a brain when it comes to baseball. So it's always fun to get his input, especially with your Cleveland Guardians. But today for y'all, we have our Cleveland Guardians, and it may sound weird. I know I'm saying Guardians. Our Cleveland Guardians season preview. So I think it's best that we just kick it off with some headlines.
1: Yeah, so... I mean, first, the biggest headline is obviously the whole rebranding, and I, I think it'll take some time to set in, but I'm really looking forward to this rebrand. Unfortunately, though, things have not changed in terms of off-season spending. We really have not had any big signings this offseason. Brian Shaw and Luke Mayle have been our biggest signings, and we're now the fourth lowest in payroll.
0: Yeah, so the Indians didn't do much. They were basically non existent. They kind of failed in a way to capitalize on the name change by, you know, bringing in a big name player. And also, it was quite frustrating as the front office and ownership group said that they were going to expand the payroll for this upcoming season. We're <laughs> expecting it to be closer to $70 million. They fooled us, though, in the way that that they were just going to expand that payroll through arbitration cases, meaning players that weren't on guaranteed deals go to arbitration for the Indians and get a deal through that. And that's how the Indians are going to expand their payroll. So, Ethan, I'm going to let you introduce the two guys that we did bring in in free agency.
2: Yeah, so one of the guys that we brought in during free agency was longtime veteran reliever Brian Shaw. Formerly, he pitched for the Indians, pitched for the Rockies, He's an absolute innings machine, but he's certainly well over the hump, and I would say his best days are behind him. And the other guy that we brought in is Luke Mail.
0: Yeah, so the other guy that we brought in was Luke Matley. He was a backup catcher on the Brewers last year, also in their minor league system. He's not a big hitter or big on defense, but he was cheap and fits this roster well. So the Indians did bring him in. They brought him in on a deal, a one-year deal worth $900,000. And he's going to serve as the Indians' backup catcher this year. But the thing is, Luke Malley, and I'm pretty sure it's Malley, guys, he just got hurt. So he is actually going to be starting the year on the IL. So not a good start for our catching unit. The Indians will be bringing up Brian Lavastida, but we'll talk more about him with this roster review. So I say we get on to our next headline here, obviously, this has been a really, really bogus off season. The lockout, the name change. Let's talk about this lockout for a little bit. The Indians' season got pushed back by a week. I didn't think the season was going to start on time, to be honest with you guys. But it ended up, dead, thank the Lord, because I didn't want to miss any baseball this year. But now we got an extra week of baseball in October.
1: Yeah, I thought there was going to be, at one point, I thought there was going to be a lot of time missed. It really wasn't looking like this was going anywhere. It was just back and forth, people proposing things and them getting denied. So the fact that we're only missing a week is actually a pretty big win for that MLB, in my opinion. But it is interesting. The spring training got shortened a little bit. And then, we, you know, maybe it'll be a little bit warmer starting out, which I feel like the Indians have struggled with that a little bit in the past. Like, it's so cool. The weather's so cold. So we'll see. I mean, it's only a week difference, but... It'll be interesting. Nonetheless, I think uh, it was good that the MLB was able to come to an agreement within, you know, based on the state where they were at that one point.
2: Yeah, like Jack said, I think that the shortened spring training is certainly going to have an effect on how pitchers are feeling, how just their everyday guys are feeling in terms of maybe preparedness. But the fact that the season is starting in April is mind-boggling to me. It seemed like the MLB – and the MLBPA were years away, and I didn't think that the season would start until June or July when the owners and players alike both really started missing those game day tax and stadium revenues that come in with the ball game.
0: Yeah, so one effect that we're going to see off the bat with the shortened spring training is that the Indians' pitchers are only going to go about 60 pitches for the first two weeks of the season, and Coach Terry Francona has said that. So the Indians are lucky enough to have a very, very deep pitching rotation. So for the first two weeks, with also a couple of days off, we're going to be- see some piggybacking, meaning you know, you're going to have Zach, please Zach, the mega bro, start off a game, and then Tristan McKenzie will come in and throw a couple innings right after him. So you're going to see one starter after the other, but the Indians in these first couple of weeks are going to have to rely deeply on their great starting pitching depth and on their bullpen.
1: Yeah. And it's interesting that we're so deep with the starting pitching because we were talking a little bit before the show that our bullpen isn't great. Like, you've got Emmanuel Clase, the flamethrower, and then Brian Shaw, obviously the veteran who's been here for a while. Karen Cech, who knows what to expect with him. He could go all over the place. Other than that, though, you've got a lot of unproven guys. And so it'll be interesting. We really have to rely on that starting pitching really, really heavy this year. And it'll be interesting to see how they use him, especially – Like you mentioned early on in the season when these guys won't be going very long.
2: I think the fact that our starting pitchers might be on a little bit of a pitch limit to start out could provide us a benefit in the sense that bringing in more starting pitchers plays to our strength. Because we have some good guys in the bullpen right now, like Eli Morgan, that don't necessarily crack the rotation. And I guess we'll talk about that a little more later as we do. The roster in depth but who knows how that'll play out it could be a good thing because the bullpen is a weakness on the guardian staff
0: yeah so a couple questions here the first one that we had listed in our headlines and that we kind of just covered basically was the bullpen's up in the air the guardians have a lot of questions surrounding their bullpen this year and i think we'll just go over it more when we do our roster review but those are some great points how is this bullpen going to be used there's a lot of no names new guys young players are in this bullpen, so we'll have to see how Terry Francona answers that. And then the second questions that we had was that the Indians have a new hitting coach in the system. They took Ty Van Berkelio out of the position last year after the Indians continued to struggle a hit. It seemed like the past couple of years the Indians could not string together consistent hit-in. The Indians got no hit four times last year, which was just pathetic to see as a fan. It, it, it sucked to watch, and I'm excited that they're bringing in this new hitting coach named Chris Vlachia. He is from the Cubs organization. He was their assistant hitting director last year. He led their organization in minor league hitting development. So this year he's going to come in for the Indians. He's going to be our minor league hitting coach as well, lead the development with that, but he's also going to be our major league hitting coach. So the big question with him is how can he impact these players? How can he, you know, work with guys say like Oscar Mercado or Bradley Zimmer who have just done nothing with the Indians when this comes to the big league. So I'm I'm excited to see how that will work out, but I mean it's a big question mark up in the air for us this
1: season. Yeah, and we're really gonna see like whether it was the their hitting coach, excuse me, or these players themselves. Like you said, guys like Oscar Mercado and Bradley Zimmer are gonna have an opportunity this year. I mean, I it seems like Bradley Zimmer's gotten unlimited opportunities, but <laughs> they're going to have an opportunity to maybe like, all right, say that was some of the hitting coach and maybe like they can bring the best out of them. Obviously the no hitters were embarrassing as a fan and for a franchise. But again, I don't know how much of that was on the hitting coach and how much of that was on the players themselves. We haven't really done much to address the the batting rotation. We're going to go in with pretty much the same guys we had last year. So we'll see. It'll be a, a big proving point for both, the new hitting coach, and these players. Yeah, like Jack
2: said, not a lot of splashes in terms of bats and free agency. But the fact that we are bringing in a guy within our own system who had some experience in the minors and had success in the minors. A lot of our guys in single-A, high-A, double-A ball can really mass It was just once they once they got to the triple-A and major league level, that's when things started to go wrong when they were with Tyvan Van Berklio. So hopefully
0: this new guy is able to prove himself. For sure, and we'll definitely see it off the bat of the season. It's going to be cold in Cleveland to start. We always know that in April, the Indians always have a rough time getting to start, so we might have to give him time. They certainly will give him time, but we'll definitely see how it ends up going. And I think that takes us well into our roster view, which we have now on deck. We have obviously all the starting positions here for the Indians listed off, and Jeff's going to start by listing off our catchers here.
1: So at catcher, we've got three guys that are going to make the roster or looking to make the roster. we got Austin Hedges, Brian Lavestita, and Luke Malley.
0: Yeah, so the Indians have a younger catching trio here now. You don't have Jan Gomes anymore. You don't have Roberto Perez. There's some new faces here, and Hedges caught the Indians starting rotation for most of last year, so he'll be back, he'll be familiar. Hedges cannot hit, though, but that's kind of been the moral of the story for the Indians catchers in the past couple of years, but I'm excited to see him back with the rotation, and he was also a dog on
2: defense. Right, in typical Guardians fashion, Austin Hedges is a defensive-oriented catcher who has not proven that he can hit pig league stuff, but I'm pretty excited to see what Lavastita can do. Because in the minors, he's a career 300 hitter with an OBP close to 400. And he's only, I mean, he's only 23 years old. So getting to see him go out there on Sundays is really exciting.
0: Yeah, I'm really excited about Lavastita too. He's one of the Indians' bigger, you know, prospects. And the Indians aren't really deep at catcher, so I'll be excited to see him. And then moving on to Luke Malley. He has not had a pretty career at the plate. He's kind of along the lines with Austin Hedges. He's a 203 career hitter. He did hit 300 for the Brewers last year, but that was in 30 at at-bats, so not a big sample size,
2: guys. Yeah, I really think that Malley is just kind of another guy in case Lovastito isn't panning out, and we need to send him down that you just have another catcher in there in case things go wrong.
1: Right. Moving on to infield. We've got a lot of familiar names here, some new, but starting off, we've got Bobby Bradley, Yu Chang, Ernie Clement, Andres Jimenez, Owen Miller, Jose Ramirez, and Ahmed Rosario. It'll be interesting to see what some of these guys can do returning for another season. I know that we have had Yu Chang on the show before, John, you interviewed him. We have high hopes for him, but you guys want to talk a little bit about what you think this infield can can do and, and be?
0: Yeah, so this is a superbly young infield that the Guardians have on hand this year. <laughs> Starting off with Bobby Bradley, a first baseman, I've I've liked Bobby Bradley in his development. He would mash a lot of home runs in the minors. He had somewhere around fifteen to twenty last year, but you know, he strikes out a lot. He really doesn't get on base, so I'm not the biggest fan of Bobby Bradley.
2: Yeah, I would say Bobby Bradley has had his moments. He hit sixteen dingers and like a third of a, a season of at-bats last year, and I think it was 200-something, which is quite, Im- quite impressive if you prorate that to a full season. But he's also had a pretty rough rough spring training, as far as I could tell. So we'll see what he can do this year.
0: So next up, we have Yu Chang, who is a personal favorite of ours. Chang hit two eighty five in July through September to end last season, and he's had a pretty good spring this year, too. yuchang will probably start at second base, but he can also play short, third, first base. But he's someone that I'm expecting to actually have a pretty good season that I'll definitely be cheering for, too.
2: It's very easy to root for Chang. He's a super likable, humble individual. And I think my favorite thing about him is his versatility on defense, that he can play literally all across the diamond. Unlike John, I'm actually expecting him to slot in at first base at times. Bobby Bradley's a lefty. Chang hits righty. I think he offers another dimension against left-handed pitchers that maybe Bradley is lacking.
0: Yeah, so our next guy here is Ernie Clement, and he is a second baseman, shortstop, third baseman. The Indians have even stuck him in the corners in the outfield, and I've personally been a fan of Clement He gets the bat on the ball. He has a low strikeout rate. But the thing is, last year, he would put the ball in play a lot, but he just wasn't getting good contact and good hits. But Ernie Clement has also had a terrific spring training as well as a lot of these other young infielders. So I'm expecting for him to take an actual big step up this year and you know, start showing the Guardians how he can hit for average and get on base.
2: Yeah, I mean, Clement, it's very unproven. At the big league level. I mean, he only had 120 at bats l- last year, so there's not a huge sample size. And I think that versatility again brings another dimension where if a guy like Yu Chang or Bra- Bobby Bradley is struggling at their position, you could maybe slot him in wherever.
0: And I'm going to skip over the one that we have listed because this next guy is very similar, and that's Owen Miller. Oh. He's another guy that can play almost every infield position. He can play first, second, third, and short, so he does play every single one. But he's also a guy who is a great contact hitter. Hit over 300 in the minors. People were calling up for his name last year. But when he got to the MLB, he really struggled, and he struck out a lot, which was just very unlike him. But like like Ernie Clement, like Chang, he had a terrific spring training. He was even hitting some home runs. So I'm also expecting Owen Miller to step up. And just overall, I'm expecting one of these guys, you know, to come to get that fire in them and to finally just take that position and prove that it's theirs.
2: Owen Miller has long been a favorite of mine since we traded for him from the Padres. And he's had a monster spring training. He's hit a couple of home runs that probably should not have been hit. They were pitches in the dirt, and he's I think he's taken another step this year. So I'm really excited to see what he can do
0: our next player on this list who we skipped over was Andres Jimenez, and he was the second baseman in shortstop that the Guardians got in the deal for Francisco Lindor. He started at shortstop for the Guardians last year, but started off very, very cold, which ended up getting him sent down to the minors. But then he came back towards the end of the year and showed that he can hit sort of on the big league level, kind of like he did in 2020. He flashed some power too. Jimenez is another guy that kind of has to step up. He's more so on a hotter seat than some of these other younger guys, but also someone that the Indians obviously invested a lot into. So he probably will get more opportunities than some of these other guys.
2: Yeah, there's obviously a ton of potential with Jimenez in 2020 on the Mets. He was seventh in rookie of the year voting. The thing that makes me very nervous is that in his two seasons or partial seasons in the bigs, he's a very below average hitter his OPS plus average is only 84 that's that it's averaged out to 100 so that's quite a few points below the average but maybe he's taking that next step who knows
0: our next guy is the GOAT Jose Ramirez obviously there's been a lot of trade rumors swirling with him but I'm expecting him to come back and have another big year as usual for the Indians
2: Yeah, nothing else to say. Sixth in AL MVP voting last year definitely deserved to be higher.
0: So our last hitter here is Ahmed Rosario. Plays shortstop, but the Indians played him a lot in left field in spring training. Was arguably our best hitter last year, getting on base a lot. But I'm hoping he can have a good season. But I'm going to take a guess. Ahmed Rosario could be the player on the Guardians to have the biggest regression in 2022.
2: I don't think that regression's necessarily through fault of his own. Maybe that last year was just an anomaly in terms of his cap as a player. But, yeah, I'm expecting him to play more outfield than infield this year.
1: Moving on to the outfield, now that you bring it up, this was a position that the Indians have struggled with recently, ever since the departure of guys like Michael Brantley. The Indians have not been able to find stability in the outfield whatsoever. But our off out starting outfield projects to be Stephen Kwan, Oscar Mercado, Josh Naylor, Fran Riz, and Miles Straw. Kicking it off with Stephen Kwan. John, what are your thoughts there?
0: Yeah, so Kwan is another guy who's getting his first crack at the show, the big leagues. He's another guy that hits very much so for average. Was hitting over four hundred in AAA last year. And he was even starting with the big league squad today in Arizona He's someone else that I'm also excited for, and that could prove himself to be an everyday outfielder if he flashes that contact ability at the big league level.
2: Yeah, I am thrilled that Stephen Kwan made the team. Like John said, he's another young guy, and he's a great contact hitter, and that's kind of what this team is lacking, is guys who get on base.
0: Speaking of, our next guy is Oscar Mercado, who has you know, had trouble doing that since the year of 2019, his rookie season. And this guy's kind of on the hot seat. He, he has to do something or else, you know, they have Josh Naylor coming back from the aisle and, you know, an outfielder like Zimmer and Mercado may find themselves without a job.
2: Yeah, I really don't see Mercado on this team very long. I mean, he's just so inconsistent. And I think that in his three years in the big leagues, he's kind of shown that he's likely not the answer for us.
0: Our next player is Josh Naylor. Josh Naylor who broke his ankle last year, he will actually start the year on the 10-day IL, which means he will have a rehab stint down here in Columbus. So maybe I can co-catch a game with him there. But I'm excited for Naylor to come back up. He plays hard. He is a career 250 hitter, so he still does have a lot to prove at the plate and the big league level.
2: Naylor, especially coming off that ankle injury, is a guy who makes me very nervous in the outfield. He had a positive F4 of 0.5, but all of that came from his bat. He's actually horrible at fielding, so I, I don't really want him in the outfield for very long.
0: He could definitely be a guy that projects at first base for the Guardians in the future. But, obvi- but obviously they have that log jam, so it's probably best that they figure that all out first. And mm-hmm. Moving on, the Indians have Fran Mill Reyes, who can play the outfield, but he's a traditional DH I'm really excited for Friend Meal. I think this year will finally be the year where he hits 40 home runs if he stays healthy, and I would love to see the Guardians, you know, actually open up that checkbook and sign this guy to an extension.
2: Yeah, I would love for us to ink the Franimal long term. He had a WRC plus of 125. That was eighth amongst DHs in the MLB, and he hit 30
1: dingers in half a year, so I would love to see what he can do in a full season. Can you super quick explain for people that don't know what a WRC Plus is? Yeah,
2: WRC Plus is one of those advanced metrics that averaged out to 100, and it essentially takes your runs created and just averages it uh, based on external factors like ballpark or ERA. So your average hitter will have a WRC or runs created of 100, and Mm. Fran Mill was far above that. That's cool
0: awesome. So, he shows how valuable he is and another valuable piece is Miles Straw. Miles Straw who can hit at the plate hit 280 or 290 for the Guardians last year and once he got traded here from the Astros, he's a great outfielder, has great defense and can run the bases really fast. So, I'm excited to see what he will do in a full year in Cleveland and kind of seems like the only set piece in the Guardians outfield right now.
2: Yeah, Miles Straw is a very exciting guy. Like you mentioned, He's an absolute amazing defender, and he has a pretty good on-base percentage. In terms of the value he brings offensively, I think it's about average. His WRC plus is only 98, which isn't incredible, but he makes up for that with his glove.
1: Moving on to our next position, we are getting into the strength of the Indians lineup with our starting pitchers. Uh, Deep rotation here, we got Shane Bieber, Zach Plesak, aka Brodey. Al Quantrill, Aaron Savale, and Tristan McKenzie.
0: Yeah, so this is where the Indians will excel versus the rest of the MLB. This is the backbone of the team, especially Shane Bieber. He is coming off a year in which he missed basically July through the end of the season with, with a shoulder injury. But I'm expecting Bieber to come back and have a big bounce-back season.
2: Yeah, I hope Bieber has a great year. He's under contract for a long time. Won the Cy Young a couple of years ago, definitely a very exciting piece to have, and maybe our only piece that's going to be here for the long term.
0: Our next pitcher is the biggest bro in the major leagues right now, and that's Zach Pleszak. I'm, I'm expecting Zach to, you know, have a good year as well. He's not as, you know, good as someone like Shane Bieber, but he's someone who has hopefully developed an off-speed pitch this past offseason because... Last year, that's where he kind of struggled. He didn't have a pitch to put away players. So if he has an off-speed pitch that he developed this offseason, he could have a significantly better year. If not, we could see the same Zach Zac you know, that struggled to get some outs at times.
2: Yeah, John knows this is my 100% favorite player on the Guardians roster. And he's had his ups and downs for sure, but he has a ton of upside. I hope he can stay healthy and that he doesn't break his thumb tearing off his shirt again.
0: Yeah, and we do appreciate the fits that he throws on Instagram. He he definitely is a bro that we all aspire to be. So Absolutely. Bro. Absolutely. So next in this bro rotation is Cal Quantrill, who had a terrific season last year. You know, he started in the bullpen, but the Indians were able to get him up to snuff in the starting rotation after all the injuries happened. And guys, he was one of the best pitchers in the whole American League. So I'm really going to cheer for Cal to come back and have another big year, but we'll see if he can do it two years in a row as a starter.
2: Yeah, Quantrill, not just was he one of the best pitchers in the American League, but he was one of the best pitchers in the MLB in the time he was pitching last year. He's not a guy who strikes a ton of people out, but you're really going to struggle to get on base against him, and he had one of the highest wars amongst pitchers in the frames that he pitched of nearly four.
0: Yeah, I love Cal, and I'm pretty excited for him this year. Our next one is one of Ethan's favorites, actually, and that's Aaron Savale, who did have a rough time in his spring training game today. This guy's who we call Mini Kluber, has great control, has some great off-speed stuff, and he was also injured as well last year. But before he was injured, he already had 10 wins. So Aaron Savale is someone that I could say could have a big breakout season across the MLB and you know kind of shock some people on the national stage.
2: I would really hope so. I mean, he's just the model of consistency on the team that lacks just that. He's going to give you six to seven innings every game. One to two runs, if not zero, and just strike out six or seven. It's He's a great, reliable piece in the rotation.
0: And our last starting pitcher here is another personal favorite. It seems like we really like this whole starting rotation, but that is Sticks' Tristan McKenzie. You know, he started off the season really rough last year, had a stint in the minor leagues, but then, you know, started to get off to a really good start and finished out the season with some strong starts including one where he almost had a perfect game.
2: Yeah, Sticks is one of my favorite players on this roster. He had a great back half of the year. He has a whip of nearly 1 at 1.033, and his caper 9 decreased as he had some arm fatigue set in, but his walks went down, and so did his overall OBP for batters against. And I also met him at a bar this summer, and he was a super nice guy, so... I'd love to see
1: him have a great year. All right, so real quick, I want to hear one guy that you think could really take the next step forward in this pitching rotation, because I feel like the Indians always have a guy that just t- comes out of nowhere. Out of all those guys we just listed, who's your one guy to like watch out for to take that next step?
0: Tristan McKenzie.
1: Yeah, absolutely sticks. I mean, he was a top prospect in baseball at one point. There you go. All right, so rounding out our roster, we got the bullpen. Like we mentioned earlier, it's a little bit iffy how strong these this unit is going to be this year, but uh, we do have hope. We starting it off we got Eli Morgan, Logan Allen, Connor Pilkington, Trevor Stefan, Sam Henches, Anthony Ghost, Nick Sandlin, Brian Shaw, James Karinchak, and Emmanuel Klasse. Starting it off with Eli Morgan, what are we th- what are we thinking?
0: Yeah, so Eli Morgan is one of the young starters that is now in the bullpen. This bullpen is very uncertain. It doesn't have an identity. They're going into the season without their, you know, setup guy who was sent down to the minors at the end of the year last year. So there's a ton of questions surrounding this bullpen, and it's something very concerning, knowing that all successful teams have to have a good bullpen. And obviously the Indians will need one at the beginning of this year with you know their starters only going 60 pitches so there's a lot up in the air but the Indians have obviously 28 guys on the roster now because with the shortened spring training the MLB allowed teams to carry two extra players till May 1st so they have a couple extra guys in this bullpen but it will you know shorten down as the season goes but to start they have Eli Morgan who will serve as a long reliever he will do that piggybacking for the Guardians but You know, he had some shaky starts last year, but he also had some really promising ones. He's got great control. He's got a great changeup, and I'm expecting him to take a step up this year.
2: Yeah, I think Eli Morgan is a great sixth guy to have in the rotation when we need him and a great piece in the bullpen. I mean, he doesn't throw very hard, but he's pretty good at getting people out and is pretty efficient with his pieces. The rest of the bullpen outside of Emmanuel Classe... I think has a ton of question marks about what it can actually do.
0: Our next pitcher is another long reliever, and that's Logan Allen. And, guys, I'm not a fan of Logan Allen. If I was in the Indians' front office, I would send him as far away from Cleveland as I could.
2: Yeah, Logan Allen freaking sucks. I mean, he got shelled in some of his spring training starts this year, and he got shelled in the big leagues consistently last year. Sorry, Logan.
0: Our next relief pitcher is Connor Pilkington, another long reliever, someone who will also piggyback. The Indians will have three long relievers to start, which makes sense, but Pilkington was acquired in the Cesar Hernandez trade last year, but only made it up to double A, but pitched very well in double A for Akron. But, you know, this is going to be his first time in the big leagues, and we'll see how it goes.
2: Yeah, don't know much about Pilkington, I guess, because he's been stuck in the minors. Probably wasn't one of our Highly touted prospects, either, but it's exciting to have another guy who can hopefully replace Logan Allen when we inevitably cut him.
0: Yeah, and he's a lefty too, which the Indians have also lacked in their bullpen. So it just brings another dimension to this bullpen. Next Perfect
1: up, replacement for Logan Allen, <laughs> I,
2: dude.
1: We're, Logan Allen's catching strays, man. I hope, I hope he doesn't listen to this podcast because he might come after us.
0: Facts. <laughs> Our next guy is Trevor Stefan, who really came into his own at the end of last year for the Guardians, throws 98, throws some gas, strikes out a lot of people, and he's someone that the Indians are actually going to have to rely on heavily this year.
2: Yeah, Stefan has a pretty high K-9, and he's got good stuff, so we'll see what he can do.
0: Our next pitcher is Sam Henches, and he's gotten to the point with me where he's you know, kind of hopping into the same boat as Logan Allen. Now, the Guardians love Henches. He's six He's got a massive frame and can throw some ched, too. But the thing is, he would get shelled as well last year as a starter, as someone in the bullpen. But he's someone that the organization really wants to get going in this bullpen.
2: I like Henches. I think he has great stuff. He just lacks control in the starts that I watched him throw last year. He would walk a lot of guys and have a lot of misplaced pitches, which leads to bad outings.
0: Our next pitcher is Anthony Ghost, who is an amazing story. He was a hitter for Detroit and Toronto for a long time and then went back through the whole minor league system. Became a pitcher, throws absolute gas, but you know, has not actually spent a lot of time in the MLB as a reliever. So... It's kind of like a rookie when it comes down to it as a pitcher, but he's been in the big leagues before, so at least he will be able to know how to handle that aspect.
2: I'm super excited that Anthony Ghost made the roster. Great story, absolute flamethrower, and got silver at the Tokyo 2020 Olympics with Team USA, so that's pretty cool too.
0: Our next pitcher is Nick Salen, and this is someone that I personally really like. He is a sidearm pitcher, but he's not a traditional sidearm pitcher because he can hit up to 98 miles per hour. Thing is, Stanley was a rookie last year and end of the year on the injured list. So, is he going to be able to pick up where he left off? Can he stay healthy? And, you know, how long is it going to take him to get back to that form that he was in when he came up last year?
2: Yeah, I mean, he's, he's a flamethrower, sidewinder. Reminds me a little bit of like a Tony Watson, except from the right side of the plate. Obviously not as good as Tony Watson in his prime, but maybe he can develop into that.
0: And next, the Indians have their massive, I mean, like, massive off-season signing in Brian (laughs) Shaw. They brought back Uncle Brian, which was unbelievable. I mean, we couldn't sign anyone else because they spent so much money on him.
1: They were breaking the bank. James Dolan had to roll out the brink truck for that one.
0: For sure, but... Brian Shaw pitched in 81 games last year, which is literally half of the MLB season. So he's just going to be a guy that comes in and eats more innings for this bullpen, which this year is really, really needed.
2: It's pretty crazy to think that Brian Shaw is still doing it at age 34 after he's consistently led or been close to the top of the league in appearances for the past like five, six years.
0: Our next pitcher is someone that comes with a huge question mark. One of Ethan's favorite personal players, someone that flaunts on the mound after he strikes people out. But that's James Karinczak. And guys, we know what he can do. He can be one of the best relievers in the MLB when he's on when he has his stuff rolling. But when he doesn't, when he gets under pressure, I mean, he's terrible, man. Like, And, and he has such a promising career. The thing is, can he put all of his stuff together and be back to that pitcher that he was, you know, in his rookie year and the beginning of the year last year?
2: Yeah, I have incredibly low expectations for James (laughs) Karinczak because as soon as the MLB started cracking down on spider tech, he completely (laughs) fell off the cliff and was awful, had to get sent down to the minors, and appeared to, I mean, he was actually not doing great in the minors. They called him back up because of injuries and whatnot. And he did okay, but again, I just don't really know what we're going to get with him.
0: And for those of you who do not know what spider tack is, it's a substance that pitchers put on the baseballs to get more spin in the MLB Bandit last year. So we'll see what he can do without the performance-enhancing substances. And then our last pitcher is someone that doesn't need substances because he's actually naturally talented. And that's Emmanuel Classe, the flamethrower at the back of this bullpen. Someone that we should have even mentioned just signed an extension with the Guardians, you know? A five-year, $20 million deal, which I personally love. He's got two club options at the end of his deal for $12 million in 2027 and 2028. This, guy, this guy's awesome. He's going to be an all-star. He should be an all-star, you know? for next however many years in his career and he's just someone that's so unhittable and i want jack to talk on this too because he's gotta you know kind of tell people what he thought last year and what he thinks now
1: yeah i will i will issue an informal apology to emmanuel classe he was someone that i thought personally was not good last year and rightfully so for a portion of the season there was a portion there where he was he was not good and he let up he lost a couple games for the Indians but he completely turned it around at the end of last season obviously has a ton of talent can throw 100 plus miles an hour those guys don't come around too often and he was he was elite you know frankly he was he was elite towards the end of the season and I love that we signed him long term because I think he can really be like the ace of this bullpen. You've got Brian Shaw, like you guys mentioned, who's really stable. And you've got Klaaset who can kind of bring the heat along with some of those young guys. So there is hope for the bullpen. And I'm sorry, Emmanuel Klaaset.
2: Emmanuel Klaaset is a guy who at the current moment is one of, if not the best reliever in the MLB. He was electric last year as an 101 mile per hour cutter that has over 12 inches of horizontal run. I'm a little nervous that we signed him to such a long extension, given that there are a lot of relievers who only have one or two good years, like Mark Melanson, or even in like Cleveland's own history, Chris Perez. Edwin uh, Diaz. Yeah, Edwin Diaz, exactly. But this guy has the stuff of like Craig, Craig Kimbrell, so maybe he'll be that next guy.
0: So I think that leads us into our last segment here our record predictions so obviously there was a lot of ups and downs in us going through this roster review so let's just get to it. jack what's the guardians record going to be at the end of the 2022 season
1: so last year the guardians finished at 80 and 82 i believe this year i see them destroying that number and finishing at 81 and 81 i you know what, maybe I'm I'm a little over-hopeful. I know that I have the highest or most optimistic record prediction of the trio here, but I you know I feel like pitching is the most important thing in the MLB. That's widely agreed upon, and the the pitching is there. Hitting, I feel like, optimistically, like if Fran Mill can really kind of come into his own, and then obviously you've got Ramirez, who's a, a perennial MVP candidate, um, and then some of those other guys that we mentioned can step up. I think the the Indians can be a five hundred team, so I'm going eighty one and eighty one.
2: Yeah, so I'm predicting that the Guardians are gonna finish with a seventy four and eighty eight record this year, and I think a lot of that isn't necessarily the byproduct of the team being bad, but just the division being really good. Both Kansas City and Detroit are teams that were previously. In the shitter a little bit that are now on the rise with some top prospects entering the league. I expect Minnesota to bounce back from a down year, and we know the White Sox are gonna be good. And just like looking at the April schedule real quick, we have KC, Cincinnati, San Fran, Chicago, White Sox, Yankees, Angels, Oakland. Realistically, I could only see us winning two of those series. So I think this year is definitely one to be a losing one.
0: Yeah, so I'm glad both of you went before me because mine's kind of like a mix of both of yours because you both brought up great points here. I said that the Guardians are going to finish at 78 and 84 due to the fact that they have one of the strongest starting rotations in the MLB, guys. They have so much depth with it. I think that they have some good young hitters that are going to prove themselves. And there's also going to be guys that struggle and that, you know, it's aggravating to watch. On the other hand, like Ethan brought up, the AL Central is not a division to mess with anymore. The Tigers could be a sneaky good team this year. The Royals have some young guns on the rise. The White Sox, you know, man, they have a beautiful roster. And the Twins went out. They got someone like Carlos Correa. He could go steal signs for that team now. They're going to be an improved team too. So the Guardians aren't going to have an easy time this year. Unfortunately, I don't think this season is going to be as successful as others, but this team still has promise, and I don't think that you know us as a fan base can forget about that and forget about that. Although we don't spend a lot of money, although we don't have a ton of superstars on this roster, this is one of the youngest rosters in the MLB, and it's something that we can be excited for for the future. So I think... It's been a longer episode. It's been on the longer side, but I think that basically wraps it up for us today. You know, going over the whole roster, going over headlines, going over our predictions. Hopefully the season can go better than what we are predicting it to be, but the Indians would definitely need some luck on their side to make that happen. The Guardians. (laughs) Yeah, the Guardians. I get it. Yeah, And maybe halfway through the
1: season, we'll start getting the name correct. But until then... It'll be the Indians in our hearts. But the Guardians new new brand, hopefully new team. And I'm excited to see what they can do. Ethan, as always, thank you for coming on and spitting some facts on these people. I loved hearing it. I love when you come on. So thank you.
2: Yeah, thank you both for having me. And as always, let yes, me hit my shout, shout outs out. real quick. A shout out Emery Juice. That's my ultimate Frisbee team that's competing in our playoffs right now. We're some dogs. One of my guys specifically, Justin Burnett, I hope will be on this podcast in the future as he's a professional Ultimate Frisbee player. And then also shout out the Atlanta Braves in the NL. I think they, they might repeat this year.
0: All right. Thank you for your shout outs, Ethan. It was a pleasure having you on. I would also like to shout out Jamp as well. I was mad that I didn't get to meet him. But, you know, it was fun as always. We will be back with an episode updating the Guardians. Hopefully, as the season goes on. But, you know, guys, let's have some optimism. So stay hot, our friends. Peace. And thanks to you guys if you made it this far listening to the Hottest Take Sports Podcast. Today's intro beat was made by Cold Melody on YouTube. We'll have a link to it in the description. Make sure you all go give us a follow on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at the hottest underscore take pod. Also, big shout out to our friend Ethan for coming on the show. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to stay updated with our show. Also, make sure you rate the show and leave some feedback. Thanks again, y'all, and see you next time.